Hello, 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 and welcome to Blonde Moments Podcast. My name is Melinda Collins. And I'm Gina Vogie. And girl, and guys, and okay. everybody listening, I have a story for you that oh. I cannot wait to share. This was sent in by Matt, and I'm just going right into this one because it's freaking involving okay. one of my favorite fast food restaurants and something disgusting. Please don't say Arby's. No, Taco Bell. Oh, oh. Which I haven't been to in forever now, actually. But That's your favorite? A fast food. Mine's Chick-fil-A. You can have it. <laughs> a Taco Bell employee found a disturbing way to show his sexual attraction to a customer. He put his prosthetic penis in the burrito she ordered before serving it to her. Wow. <laughs> He's like, this is what you're in for if you want some. Prosthetic penis. <laughs> I am very unversed, unschooled, whatever word I'm looking for, on a prosthetic penis. Does that mean he doesn't physically have one of his own? Yes. Correct. Or does he have like a nub and then he like wears the prosthetic? Well, I would imagine it. it would fit over something. Right. And so it's like an, ex- an extender. Right. But is an extender just because he has a small penis or he lost his penis through an incident he inserted the prosthetic penis he wears since he had a firearm accident as a teen into her meal and she said as soon as i bit in my burrito i hit a big rubber thing in it i took it out and (laughs) saw it was kind of a penis and then i heard him laughing his ass off kind of a penis what does a prosthetic penis look like hold the front (laughs) door Enter into my Google search some more. But look weird at what shit. the guy looks like. <gasps> oh no. He looks like a rapist. He looks creepy. He looks scary. He looks creepy. So I don't know. This kind of is deterring me from wanting to eat at Taco Bell anytime soon. I mean, the last time I went there, it was not very good. I'm over here Googling a prosthetic penis. Oh, there. <laughs> Wow, there's just oh. oh wow, there's so they're just like a dildo. I mean, there is a whole bunch of photos here. There is a video. This is very interesting. <laughs> like what <laughs> the hell is happening? It's weird too because it has like the skin above the penis. Yeah, well, like that would be the part attached to your body. And I mean, it looks like a penis, right? Mm-hmm. Like that looks like a penis. If that was in my burrito. You would know it doesn't some kind of penis. It is a penis. Right. I'd be like, there is a fake dick. There's one that even has hair on it. Like, Yeah, I don't see the need for the fake hair. I mean, I'm all <laughs> set on that. There's a couple with fake hair. <laughs> You're like, you know what I really need? I need a prosthetic penis, but it has to have hair on it. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, it's just not going to look real. There's some that are cut there's some that are uncut so you can really um have your specifications yeah i thought that you would enjoy that story a penis and a burrito this is what i'm here for i'm here for all of the weird shit that's out there and that's pretty much what our podcast is yeah well because i do love tacos this is something interesting that could be like a fun foreplay thing like you get your husband's dick hard oh, and put in a tortilla. Here we go again with another one of Gina's <laughs> Do games. Do a squirt of sour cream on his no, dick. No, he will provide the squirt of sour Sprinkle cream. Sprinkle it with some cheese. Cilantro. Yes. Oh, and then oh do my a... God. You just got real excited. Like a little too excited there. Do a squirt of lime and then 
rice. A squirt of lime. Bean. Better hope he doesn't have any little cuts on his wiener. Yeah, well, no paper cuts like like the last yeah. episode. And then you can fold the tortilla over his dick and then, you know, just... Take oh. a giant bite. Uh, no, no, not oh. out of his dick. But oh. then, like, you can, like, eat a meal on his dick and then have sex. Oh, maybe you're talking my language now. Yeah. Meal sex. Yes. Mm-hmm. You can unwrap the tortilla and eat all the toppings. I'm I'm into it. <laughs> or you make your own taco into a taco. Oh. See? Yeah. yeah. See, now you're yes. really thinking outside the box. <laughs> oh, little Taco Bell reference there. Oh, Think outside man. the bun. The Remember? box as in your pussy. I know, but Taco Bell's slogan used to be think outside the bun. Oh, okay. Or am I just dating myself? I've never been a huge Taco Bell fan, so. You're just a Debbie Downer over there. No, I am You all... take your Chick-fil-A ass. <laughs> Get to step in. The worst thing about Chick-fil-A being your favorite fast food restaurant is I always want Chick-fil-A on Sunday and they're fucking closed. Praising the Lord. Yeah, that's disappointing. So Not it, that they're praising, but, you know, it's disappointing. <laughs> I can't have my goddamn chicken sandwich. Not that they're praising the Lord or anything. <laughs> I want my chicken. But so there's another drive through story I found. Oh, boy. Ever wonder what a drive through strip club looks like? Wonder no more. The world is still sexy in Germany. Okay. So it is like like a haunted house kind of looking thing where they have like the tent over the top and you literally pay $43. You pay your entrance Ooh. fee and you drive in. Like There's, a haunted house? Well, I'm saying it like is like a haunted house where you have to go into this huge tent and oh, like you're okay. in a line. But there's girls that are just working the poles. They don't seem like they're topless, but maybe that's just the picture for this article. For article. But the shows take place between uh, 11 p.m. and 3 a.m., Fridays and Saturdays. It's about $43. And you're only allowed mm. into the tent for about 15 minutes, but you do get a glass of sparkling wine. You don't get any fast food, though? No, it's a strip club. Oh, I, a drive through strip club. For some reason, for some reason in my head, I was thinking it was a drive through where you get fast food and their strippers, <laughs> which would be amazing, right? Pussy popping some cheese. Pussy popping some chicken wings. Yeah. And you get a glass of champagne. Count me in. I think we need to take a, a little trip to lunch at Bavaria. <laughs> I'm down. I mean, the girls are pretty hot. I'm in. I'm here for it. Let's go. I would be more here for it if I was getting some food with it. Well, we can stop at (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Then we'll go to, what was the name of it? Do they have Chick-fil-A's in Germany? We'll bring it along. Jeez, you're making this (laughs) awfully difficult. Um, You know what? Actually, there is a drive-thru strip club in Virginia Beach. They have, uh, the world is still sexy. That was the name, the official name of the club. I like it. I think it's a stupid name. It's inventive. It's stupid. The world is still sexy. Really? Should be like drive-thrus are sexy. It should be like drive-thru semen soaker. (laughs) (laughs) Your face. I like that a lot better, actually. Drive-thru semen soaker? Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I came across just an article that I thought was funny. And I don't know why, because I actually like Mike Tyson. 
You want some sweet <laughs> Merry Christmas. I just love like all the <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I love like all like you know the memes or whatever like that. I I mean he was on the Hangover like he tattooed a horrible tattoo on his face. Who doesn't like Mike he was Tyson? on episode or the Hangover one and two. Yeah. I mean, and you can't say Mike Tyson without thinking about his voice, right? Like, right. <laughs> or the fact that he beat the shit out of his wife, Robin. Oh, which is terrible. Yeah. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Former boxing champ Mike Tyson became a punchline Wednesday when he struggled to tear off his shirt. <laughs> oh, God. What was, he, what was he doing? At a live pro wrestling match. The stage confrontation had Tyson getting into the face of Chris Jericho during an all-elite wrestling dynamite show from Jacksonville, Florida. But as soon as Tyson attempted to rip the t-shirt from his torso, the shirt fought back. (laughs) (laughs) So is his voice the way that it is because of the steroids? I have no idea. Because we've learned what it does to women, right? From China's vagina, yes, we've learned. And they get deep voices they right. can grow hair on their nipples blah 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 but for men i've heard that it shrinks your your Balls. sack yeah so you would imagine a small sack would lead to a higher, maybe a higher voice than a lisp is man it- why does why is that like the one area that shit affects is your genitalia i don't know that's terrible and doesn't it cause impotency with men as mm-hmm. well too yeah but couldn't but you couldn't you be like yeah i want to get ripped so i'm gonna take some steroids and then your feet just get bigger right i mean why does it yeah. have to like shrink your ball sack man anything that fucked with my pussy i would not be taking it fuck that oh, i'm not gonna keep talking about this but i will if you want <laughs> What? Go for it. I'm just saying, like, the large clitoris was... Uh, no, I would never want yeah, that. Right. Mm-mm. Talking about tucking things in your taco shell. Right. I said he simply couldn't get the thing off, and he just finally gave up and flexed his biceps. <laughs> I mean, usually they make a little rip in the shirt or something, don't they? He, I mean, you would think so. And we're talking about Iron Mike Tyson here. How how can he not rip his shirt? Is that off? his real name, Iron Mike Tyson? That was like a nickname. Okay, <laughs> Iron Mike. Your spank bank nickname. <laughs> so the internet had a fucking field day imagine. with it. Of course. Poor guy. I mean, God, let the guy be. He's getting yeah. older too. He's not going to be as tough as he once was. No. I mean, I wouldn't want to get punched by him, but yeah. So today's episode is on true crime. So I do have a true crime crazy fucking story to share with you. In Flagstaff, Arizona, a man was arrested for illegally stuffing the body of his deceased wife and exposing it in his residence's living room. Oh. He was keeping her on a couch in his living room. Like dead? Yeah. He was a taxidermist. (gasps) Oh, no. She had died of breast cancer two years ago, and he was trying to do this as a way to memorialize her. So he didn't tell anyone that she died and just taxidermied her? Doesn't doesn't say that. Is that that how you say it? Taxidermy her? I would not want that at all. If that were me, I would not want to be taxidermied. I mean, it's kind of sweet. 
In a like, very weird way. It, in a very, very weird way. But he obviously knew what he was doing and he didn't want to live without her. So, honey, if you really want to wait for me to die and then <laughs> stuff me and leave me on the couch. I mean, at least put me in bed so I can lay down. Yeah. With a, even a, Give well, me one of those fake plastic sandwiches you can get, you know, like kids play with their little kitchens. <laughs> And then you can prop me up. Even Aww, like, he's so sweet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Even like the taxidermied animals to me look weird. Like the bears and... Oh, you know, yeah. Like, so I can't imagine what a human would look like. Ugh. I do not. I think this is creepy. This belongs on like an episode of the creep show. Of course it's creepy. It's so creepy. But it's still kind of sweet. <laughs> hey, you love somebody that much and you do it the right way. I get it. As long as they naturally died. It's not like he killed her. Right. I get that part, but I just, I can't get on board with that. Well, anyways, we know <laughs> that can you I. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to have nightmares about this. No. We all know that Mel and I watched 90 Day Fiance, and we found that Joffrey is in legal trouble that he didn't say on the show. Apparently, in 2019, he got into an altercation with his then-girlfriend and being charged with ag- uh, aggravated kidnapping, domestic assault, interference with emergency... What's that? Rape is one of the things. Yeah. Interference with an emergency call and vandalism after his girlfriend alleged that he had violently grabbed her by the neck and slammed her into the wall. Man, I hope Varya's running for the hills. I don't know. I think she's a, could be pretty tough herself. Yeah, but I mean... You don't ever wish for somebody no. to be in that sort of situation. Oh, yeah, you're right. It also says he has been accused of kidnapping, abuse, rape, child endangerment, dealing drugs, felony, larceny, theft, and battery. He is barred from ever entering Canada. I think on the show, he's <sighs> only they've only ever mentioned the fact that he had dealt drugs. Right, and but, went to prison for that. I'm telling you, the only reason I've watched this show is because of you, because of you thinking David was being catfished. And I started watching it then. I fast forward through most of the couples, except for Jeffrey and David and Lana. Yeah. But I think Varya is like super sweet and I think she's gorgeous. Like, I feel like she deserves better than Joffrey. <laughs> I can't even it's just Jeffrey. Jo- it's not Joffrey. Joffrey. He's not King Joffrey. <laughs> it's just the way it's spelled. G-E-O. That's just... Jeffrey. Faria girl, run. Yeah, I would say get the fuck out of there too. Anytime somebody has any sort of past of being abusive, it it you can always think like you're gonna be the one and it's going to change. I just don't believe that. It's gonna take one stupid freaking instance for something to happen, and then you're gonna be in the same situation as everybody else that it happened to. Well, now that he's been on this show, you know, he's probably got a big head from that as well, too. Because oh, he bet. already is, thinks he's he's so into himself. And I'm sorry, but the nipple tattoos, mm, that would be a... You haven't seen his tattoos no. on his nipples? <gasps> oh, my God. He has like... Ugh, I'll have to find a picture of it. He has nipple tattoos. The other thing, while you're looking that up, the other thing I noticed was Ed... His bathroom, when he was getting dressed in his bathroom, and he had all these like trashy pictures on his bathroom walls that just look super creepy, like of half naked girls and uh, fishnet stockings, just weird shit. Yeah. And did you see his yellow car with his license plate, Big Ed? Oh, yes. Oh, it just turned me (laughs) off. 
Like, I just can't. His daughter is very pretty. His daughter is gorgeous. What the fuck are these nipple tattoos? I I thought that was hair. No. Like, I... They're nipple tats. <laughs> Circling his nipples. I don't know what they are. No idea. It looks like eyes with really big eyelashes. <laughs> it, those are terrible. Those are one of those go among one of the worst tattoos I've ever seen. Yeah. See, Varya should have known when she saw those nipple tats. <laughs> so there was this chick, um, she's 22 years old, and she put a what she considered an innocent selfie on social media, but soon she realized she wasn't alone in the picture. After she uploaded the picture, people started noticing that there was something in the mirror in the background. Oh, no. It was her boyfriend wiping his ass after taking his <laughs> shit. No. And it's so funny because in the picture, he's like full on standing up. You can see him wiping in between his butt cheeks. Oh, <laughs> And she's like hot. She's super hot. Yeah. So freaking funny. Oh, my like, god! I don't know. When I poop, I close the door. I also, I also don't stand up when I wipe my butt. Me either. The other thing, though, is I was thinking about this. We were talking about that one girl who had those dick squishies that she left all over. Uh-huh. And there was a giant log in the toilet that she had accidentally sent out. I flush immediately. Oh, I do, too. Because I don't know it how smells. People... Yeah. Well, I'm a courtesy flusher, too. Like, yeah. if it's going to be a lot, I'm going to flush more than one time. I swear to you, too. And maybe this is just me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're going to scare me with some Gina fact. Like, say I'm on the toilet for a a lengthy amount of time when I'm going, you know. Mm -hmm. Doing your crosswords. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to you that if I don't courtesy flush as well, too, I can smell poo on my clothing. Maybe. Like, afterwards. Like, I'll be like, what is that? And I smell like... Oh, this is like that would you rather question where it said, would you rather have the little puff of blue smoke or would you rather have the shit stink on your clothing? And I will like pick my sweater up and smell it. I'm like, it smells like poop. And I know I didn't poop on my sweater, but I just got out of the bathroom (laughs) from pooping. And I'm like, how does pooticles transfer to your clothes? Those gosh damn pooticles again. So, uh uh-uh. No, I like to courtesy flush as well, too. I don't want my clothes smelling like poo, and I'm definitely not standing up to wipe, and I'm definitely flushing right away. There's a story. My husband used to work at a facility that helped kids with special needs, and one of the kids, I mean, I think he was probably 20-something, but I don't know specifically what was wrong with him, but he would have these huge shits, I guess, and they had to have, they had this special little stick that they would use to like break apart his the shit turd? so they could. <laughs> oh, no. I should have him tell me the complete story and like totally share it, but they had to like take the stick and like break apart break his, his shit turd. in the toilet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I would quit. <laughs> Done. Can never you imagine if that was your job. Never, ever, ever happening again. Your shirt would for sure smell like pudicles after You'd that. You'd have pudicles on your shirt. Yeah. That would be the problem. Maybe that's a thing. Maybe pudicles is a real thing. That like that there's particles of the air that trap the poo smell and they land on your shirt, you know? Perhaps. Maybe I'm onto something here. Perhaps. I just don't also get standing up while you wipe. Who does that? 
Who stands up and wipes their ass? The only way I could see it is if if it's like you keep wiping, you keep wiping, you keep wiping, and there's poop every time. Like maybe you'll stand in front of the mirror to be like, where the hell is this poop coming from? <laughs> but like if that's a normal part of your everyday. Spreading your cheeks in yeah, the mirror. Watch, with watching where the poop come fr- comes yeah. from. But like if that's like your normal thing, I feel like you're going to drop poop somehow. No thanks. Yeah. Wipe over the toilet. Yeah. Plus I feel... <laughs> We are talking way too much about this. I have to have my final thought. Plus, I feel when you're sitting on the toilet, your cheeks are naturally more spread out and your butthole open. (laughs) (laughs) If you stand up, your butt cheeks close. Yeah. How is that going to wipe your butthole properly? So all we're taking from this poor girl selfie is we are just ridiculing the shit out of how her boyfriend wipes his ass. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm saying. Am I wrong? No, no, you're right. You're yeah. so right on this one. Okay. Remember when I talked about uh, mission space? Yes. Okay, <laughs> which is still mission claustrophobia, right? So I found this article about a woman who went on this ride, and it literally is like exactly how I felt Uh-oh. going on this ride. Okay. <laughs> Well, first, and I posted, like, there's a green card and an orange card, right? And, like, the green is, like, less intense and the orange is more intense. But I was like, oh, it can't be that bad. Can't be that big of a deal. You know, like, kids' amusement park. Right. I'm at fucking Disney World. I'm like, we waited in line for 20 minutes or so. And there were at least four more signs just as explicit as the first one. You should not ride if you have these conditions. You should not ride if you experience motion sickness. You should not ride if any of the following applies to you. There's even one posted directly above the door you walk through to get on the damn thing. <laughs> the crazy of it was I saw these signs. I'd read them and think, huh, then keep on keeping on because... <laughs> If I let all those liability warnings stop me, I would never do anything whatsoever. It's never as bad as they make it seem to be. My exact thoughts, too. Mm -hmm. I'm like, can't be that bad, you know, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Except for mission space. It is that bad. And then some. (laughs) When you walk in the room, you see a simulator and there's nothing terribly foreboding about it, except for the one last warning sign posted in the room that should have made me run for the exit. The deal is that four people ride in the simulator as crew members, navigator, pilot, commander, engineer. Each crew member is responsible for initiating a critical part of the mission, which I couldn't even do mine. Chris was like trying to mess with me. He was like, you got to do this. And I just like sat there and didn't. (laughs) So if you really were traveling to Mars, you would have crashed and burned. I sat there and like didn't move. I was just like, I can't. But I have this fatal flaw thinking that recognizing my limitations in front of my kids would seem weak or teach them to be scared. Same. So I marched myself in, took a seat, and pulled down the harness. I suddenly felt a cool breeze blowing directly on my face from the vent in front of me. And it's about that time I noticed the air sickness bags. Same. When I saw that, I was like, because I also get motion sickness. Well, I didn't have much time to think about it before things kicked into high gear. The simulator closed to start the ride and suddenly the claustrophobic warning made perfect sense because it felt like a coffin in there and it did. Oh my God, it's terrifying. I was working hard to slow my breathing. Same. (laughs) And heart rate, since I suddenly knew the depth of my being that things were going to get hardcore horrific. I grabbed onto the only piece of advice I could find, a small sign posted beneath my monitor stating that you should look directly at the screen in front of you, keep breathing, and under no circumstances should you close your eyes. I closed my eyes. I was like, I can't look. I can't watch. I can't see anything. If anyone suffers from claustrophobia, do not ever go on this fucking ride. 
the front of the simulator closes toward you until you're confined in an impossibly small space. And by impossibly small, I mean, I now know what it would be like to be buried alive with three other people. The only thing that kept me freaking out was the fact that my son was sitting next to me and I thought he might become alarmed if I began pounding on the walls. (laughs) Same. (laughs) (laughs) So, but basically... This lady's experience was just like yours. You thought, okay, I'm not going to be a pussy. I'm going to go on this thing. I'm going to be fine. How bad can it really be? And then you get in there. You're claustrophobic as fuck and like honestly like freaked out. It was horrible. It was horrifying. And I just thought it was so funny. Even just like Googling mission space, like it was like claustrophobia, claustrophobic. Like people shared stories. There was another article where a woman immediately started screaming and pounding to get off the ride, but to no avail. And the people next to her were laughing at her, which is just awful. I don't know. I guess for me, it's a nice warning to have because I consider myself claustrophobic, kind of like that coffin setting, which we've talked about before. But to know this, maybe this would be a mission anywhere, I would just totally pass on going. Oh, my God. It's terrifying. So I was just glad to read this article to know that <laughs> I am not You are not alone. alone in this horrific ride that is mission space. So before we get into our true crime story, which you can go first if you'd like, I found this crazy article. A sealed bag filled with 54 severed human hands has been discovered in Russia by a rather surprised local man. Oh. He fished it out from beneath the ice on a river island close to siberia russia all but one of the 54 hands were sealed in a bag with police believing they belonged to 27 different pairs so they just collected hands they're trying to find out where the hell these came from they don't really think that the hands were cut from living people and maybe just from dead bodies in a hospital but they're also concerned that possibly it was grave robbers who planned stealing Ugh. the corpses for body parts or like taking like jewelry they all, another theory was that Still- the hands had been cut off as a punishment for theft just as bad all of it's just as bad no matter where they're coming from but can you imagine you're just like a fisherman and you'd like oh i got like a big catch and you pull this thing up and you open it up and there's all these hands Hands. human hands i had nightmares about maggots i would have nightmares about that for like ever oh my god that's terrifying Ugh, yeah, so I had to share that because it's obviously our true crime episode Ugh. today. I'm like, this shit is crazy. That's disgusting. <laughs> My true crime story has something to do with body parts, too. Ooh, nice little segue there. Yeah. Segue. I teed you up. Yes. So mine is about Catherine Mary Knight. Have you heard of her? Mm, Not ringing a bell yet. Catherine Mary Knight was born on October 24th, 1955. She was originally from the town of Arbadine in New South Wales, Hunter Valley. So this happened in Australia. She was forced to move to Moree, which I don't know where that is, after beginning a relationship with Ken Knight, a co-worker of her husband, Jack Rohan. Mm. So scandal from the beginning. Naughty, naughty. The Rohan and Knight families were both well-known in the conservative rural town, and the affair was a major scandal. Two of Rohan's four children remained with their father, while the two youngest were sent to live with an aunt in Sydney. Knight's father, Ken, was an alcoholic who openly used violence and intimidation to rape her mother up to ten times a day. Oh, my God. Which is awful. Horn-ass, man. 
I mean, so clearly she didn't have a good childhood. Barbara, in turn, often told her daughters intimate details of her sex life and how much she hated sex and men. Later, when Knight complained to her mother that one of her partners wanted her to take part in a sex act she didn't want to do, Barbara told her to put up with it and stop complaining. Knight claims she was frequently sexually abused by several members of her family, though not by her father, which continued until she was 11. Although they have minor doubts about the details, psychiatrists accept her claim as all of her family members confirmed that these abuses did happen. Catherine was by all accounts a pleasant girl who experienced uncontrollably murderous rages in response to minor upsets. When she attended a high school, she became a loner and is remembered by classmates as a bully who stood over smaller children. She assaulted at least one boy at school with a weapon and was once injured by a teacher who was found to have acted in self-defense. By contrast, when not in a rage, Knight was a model student and often earned awards for her good behavior. Hmm. So to me, it sounds like bipolar. bipolar. Yeah, up, down, up, down, right? On leaving school at 15 without having learned to read or write, she gained employment as a cutter in a clothing factory. 12 months later, she left to start what she referred to as her dream job. She quickly was promoted to boning and given her own set of butcher knives, so she worked as a butcher. At home, she hung her knives over her bed so that they would always be handy if she ever needed them. Ooh. A habit she continued until her incarceration everywhere she lived. That's fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. Keeping her butcher knives over her bed. Well, she dated several men, married a couple times, and I won't go into detail of all that because it doesn't have anything to do with the nitty gritty, which I will get down to. John Price. He was the father of three children when Knight had an affair with him. Reputedly a terrific bloke, liked by everyone who knew him, his own marriage had ended in 1998. When his two-year-old daughter had remained with his former wife, the older two children lived with him. Price was well aware of Knight's violent reputation when he moved in with her. His children liked her, and he was making a lot of money working in the local mines, and apart from violent arguments, at first their life was a bunch of roses. So everything seemed to be going well. In 1998, they had a fight over Price's refusal to marry her. And in retaliation, Knight videotaped items that he had stolen from work and sent the tape to his boss. (laughs) So now she's getting petty. Petty, yeah. Although the items were out-of-date medical kits that he had scavenged from the garbage, Price was fired from the job that he had held for 17 years. That same day, he kicked her out and she returned to her own home while news of what she had done spread through the town. So yeah, super petty. Mm -hmm. And he lost his job because Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. A few months later, though, Price restarted the relationship, although he now refused to allow her to move in with him. The fighting became even more frequent, and most of his friends would no longer have anything to do with him while they remained together. Yeah, because she seems crazy already. She turned your ass in for something out of the garbage. And then getting fired from his... Well, he already said it was a well-paying job, too. Sugar daddy no more. Yep. In February 2000, a series of assaults on Price culminated with Knight stabbing Price in the chest. Finally fed up, he kicked her out of his house. On 29th of February, he stopped at a magistrate court on his way to work and took a restraining order to keep her away from both him and his children. That afternoon, Price told his co-workers that if he did not come to work the next day, it would be because Knight had killed him. Oh. They pled with him not to go home, but he told them that he believed she would kill his children if he did not. Price arrived home to find that Knight, although not there herself, had sent the children away for a sleepover at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. He then spent the evening with his neighbors before going to bed at 11 p.m. Earlier that day, Knight had bought a new black lingerie and had videotaped all of her children while making comments, which have since been interpreted as a crude will. I wonder why she 
got lingerie. She wanted to look good in that video. Who she wanted to look good for him. Knight later arrived at Price's house while he was sleeping and sat watching TV for a few minutes before having a shower. She then woke Price and they had sex, after which he fell asleep. That's so there why you go. She has the lingerie. At 6 a.m. the next morning, the neighbor became concerned that Price's car was still in the driveway when he saw Price did not arrive at work. His employer sent a worker to see what was wrong. Both the neighbor and the worker tried knocking on Price's bedroom window to wake him, but after noticing blood on the front door, they alerted the police, who arrived at 8 a.m. Breaking down the back door, police found his body with night comatose from taking a large number of pills. She had stabbed Price with a butcher's knife while he was sleeping. According to the blood evidence... He awoke and tried to turn the light on before attempting to escape. While Knight chased him through the house, he managed to open the front door and get outside, but either stumbled back inside or was dragged back into the hallway where he finally died after bleeding out. I mean, what did he even do? Honestly. Nothing. She was just nuts. Price's autopsy revealed that he had been stabbed at least 37 times in both the front and back of his body with many of the wounds exiting into vital organs. Several hours after Price had died, Knight skinned him and hung the skin from a meat hook of the door. Oh my lord! To the lounge room. What the fuck? <laughs> it gets worse. She then decapitated him and cooked parts of his body, serving up the meat with baked potatoes, pumpkin, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy in two settings at the dinner table, Ugh. along with notes besides each plate, each having the name of one of Price's children on it. She was preparing to serve his body parts to his children. Oh, my God. This is a whole new level of crazy. So disgusting. A third meal was thrown on the back lawn for unknown reasons, and it was speculated Knight had attempted to eat it but could not and has been put forward in support of her claim that she had no memory of the crime. So she was trying to act like she didn't remember. Mm -hmm. Price's head was found in a pot with vegetables. The pot was still warm, estimated to be between 40 and 50 degrees Celsius, indicating that the cooking had taken place in the early morning. Sometime later, Knight arranged the body with the left arm draped over an empty 1.25 liter soft drink bottle with the arm with the legs crossed. What? This was claimed in court to be an act of defilement, demonstrating Knight's contempt for Price. Knight had left a handwritten note on top of a photograph of Price, bloodstained and covered with small pieces of flesh. The note read... Time got you back, Jonathan, for raping my daughter. You to Beck for Ross for little John. Now play with little John's dick, John Price. The accusations in the note were found to be groundless. Oh, my God. I mean, if that was found to be true, I would be applauding her ass for what she did. But the fact that that's not true is freaking nuts. Right. So she was doing all kinds of things to act like she she said she had no memory of it. Then she took a bunch of pills. She threw a meal outside. I mean, it's one thing to stab somebody, but it's another thing to skin them alive and hang them and decapitate them and put little name plates for the Trying children. Trying to feed him to his kids? Yeah, that's that's like the devil incarnate. Like that is- 100%. Truly disturbing. Well, she pled guilty to manslaughter and that was rejected. And <laughs> she was arraigned on the charge of murder- to which she entered a plea of not guilty. She was found guilty. Of course. <laughs> wow. That's a, that's a mouthful. That's a loaded story. On November 9th, 2001, Catherine Mary Knight was given the harshest sentence possible in Australian law. 
She was the first ever woman in Australia's history to be sentenced to life in prison, and her file marked never to be released. No, because who knows what the hell she's capable of. Yeah. Oof. She's crazy. Good Lord. She was dubbed as like Australia's female Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Here we are back with our Silence of the Lambs. I can't believe I haven't heard that story before. I feel like I've heard something about it because of the place cards, but maybe there's just another murder out there that's like that. But that shit is nuts. That's disgusting. That's on a whole other level. Well, there is my, yet again, another disturbing bit of true crime. Genus faves. The gorier, the better. I would never be able to do that. I I think... Not only stabbing somebody 37 times, but to be capable of cutting someone's body up. No. Especially somebody that you were romantically... Right. Exactly. Like, there's no way I could do that. There has to be like a different part of your brain that you are able to access. Something. There's no way I'd be physically capable of doing that, let alone like cooking them, eating them. Serving them to his children. children. I mean, that's... I mean, we've talked about talking about Jeffrey Dahmer one day, too. Yeah. I, mean, I You know what? I just I just have to research everything, and then I'll, I'll definitely cover it. Yeah. But I mean, he had all kinds of body parts in his fridge, too, right? Like... Uh-huh. Ugh. He had, like, barrels in the freezer, fridge, yeah. all sorts of shit. Like, I just... I can't. No. I cannot. Like, there's a whole nother sick, demented mind fuck there is there to be able to cut someone up so i'm saying you're like accessing a totally different part of your brain that just doesn't even seem comprehensible it's disgusting so sorry for the disgusting story you're welcome (laughs) if you're into true crime (laughs) well the murder that i am going to share takes place in Apalachicola, Florida, which I had to keep listening on YouTube to figure out how to pronounce. So if it's still wrong, kiss my ass. I tried. (laughs) High school sweethearts Mike and Denise Williams traveled to Apalachicola, Florida to celebrate their sixth wedding anniversary. They're like 31 at this point, though. So it's not like they're fresh out of high school. Okay. They decided to stay at the Gibson Inn, which was a notorious hotel for having murder mystery weekends. Which sounds pretty cool. We did a murder mystery thing mm-hmm. once. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Everybody had like parts to play. And had costumes and all that. My husband ended up being the one who was killed. It was fun. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> they were getting away to celebrate their anniversary, but also to have an adult vacation away after having a baby girl, Ainsley. Mike was an avid duck hunter. Even his checks were duck-themed. They were Ducks Unlimited. Um, And he thought this location was great so he could get some hunting in in the mornings before they started their vacation days together. Saturday, December 16th, 2000, Mike got up at 4 a.m. to go duck hunting out on Lake Seminole. It's a huge lake. It's spread out over about 35,000 acres and could get up to about 80 feet deep. He told Denise he would be back by early afternoon. He never made it back. I was just going to say... I don't think he made it back. Denise called the police when he never showed back up at the hotel. So the officers arrive at the lake and they are able to find Mike's Ford Bronco and boat trailer, but they can't find his boat anywhere and there was no sign of Mike. Officers realize that there's literally no evidence that Mike was ever there at all besides the boat trailer and the Bronco. 
The authorities sent out a helicopter overhead, and a search for Mike is underway. Mike and Denise had two best friends, Brian and Kathy Winchester. All four of them were friends when they were in high school. So the two couples, you know, they had dated. Even through college, they'd go to concerts and everything together. And when Brian had heard that Mike went missing, he went up and he was trying to search for Mike on the lake. And he was out with authorities all day until later that day, there was this huge treacherous storm that erupted with heavy rain and 60 mile an hour winds and a chance of a tornado. So the search was then halted. The next morning, authorities find their first clue. Brian had gone out looking for Mike again, and he discovered Mike's boat about 200 feet from where his Bronco and boat trailer were. It was pushed up against some weeds and brush. Even with his boat, nothing seemed out of the ordinary. The shotgun was there, the life jackets, everything was intact and in place, and it was just almost as if Mike had simply disappeared. The police officers thought that maybe he got trapped in the water and was eaten by an alligator, or maybe he was just looking at this as an opportunity to skip town. So two weeks go by, and a man was out fishing, and he saw an object in the weeds. It was a duck hunting hat that was floating in the water. So they get this duck hunting hat, and they find that there was nothing on it at all besides water. There's no blood, no slime, no algae, nothing to make it seem like it had been in the water for two weeks. period of time. Okay. Then they send out cadaver dogs. They weren't able to find anything until all three of them hit on the same area, but there was nothing. Six months later, this um, man named Alton got a call and said he got, uh, I think he, I don't think he was a police officer. I think he was like maybe somebody who worked for DNR. I could be wrong. I apologize if I'm wrong on that. But he got a knock on his door and they had found some waders, which are like those oversized overalls Mm -hmm. that they wear, floating just underneath the surface. It looked like it was just two like legs stuck, you know, in the water. People use them to hunt in, but... The word about those waders is a lot of people would recommend against it because sometimes you could drown because you would get – the water would get filled up if you stuck in the muck and – And you couldn't get out. You couldn't get out. Oh, that's scary. Inside the boots, they don't find anything. There's not like any like decaying body parts. There's no bite marks on the boots. So then the whole, like the family, Mike's family had hired a diver to go out. They found a yellow flashlight – And he turns it on, and it turns out right away. And they're like, after six months underwater, this flashlight wouldn't work anymore. Right. So the diver goes back down, and he comes up with a jacket. It was a camouflage duck hunting type jacket. The arms were turned inside out, and inside the coat pocket was Mike's hunting license. And this, too, was super clean. Even the signature was clear and not washed off. So it hadn't been in the water long either. The coat itself had no slime or algae, the buttons were still shiny, and the detectives were like, this isn't making any sense. So they were certain that Mike was not in the water. They're like, this wasn't an, a drowning, an alligator ate him. They start running ads asking for help to find Mike. Mike's mom, Cheryl Williams, was doing anything to try to find him. She was standing on corners with huge signs with pictures of him on it. She wrote letters to the governors to not stop this investigation that she didn't believe it was an alligator attack. That's sad. Mm -hmm. She even bought billboards, put his pictures on them, trying to find him at no expense. I mean, this was a man who was six foot tall, 180 pounds. They just thought that it was impossible that he had possibly drowned and got eaten by an alligator. Right. And then there's no evidence of it. Nothing. Nothing's turning up of him. So they looked at past records of people who have drowned in Lake Seminole, and every single person who had drowned had always been found. So it wasn't like 
they lost any of them and, you know, the alligators ate it. Right. So. It sounds like he wasn't in the water at all for his death. Why can't they find Mike or any real evidence? It just seemed super impossible that he was in the lake. Detectives start going around and interviewing family members. And then while they're doing this, they also find out that Mike had a $1.75 million life insurance policy. Mm. On January 4th, 2001, less than a month after Mike's disappearance, Denise, his wife, had applied for that money. And even while the search for Mike was still going on, she was applying for that money. Seems awful motive. Mm Mm-hmm. Detectives find out that Brian Winchester, their best friend, who was out on the lake looking for him, had sold Mike and Denise that life insurance policy. But Denise can't get access to that money because he was considered missing and not dead, and that could take up to five years until he's presumed dead. Denise starts begging and asking the judge to declare Mike dead so she could have access to the money. After waiting one year, Denise cashed in in his life insurance policy. The detectives find out this information about the life insurance policy and they reclassify Mike's case from a missing person's case to a suspicious case. And then the investigators find out that Denise had a few secrets. Denise and Brian had had an ongoing sexual relationship that had started three years before Mike's disappearance. The affair had started in October of 1997. So this is Mike's best yeah, I was going to say, isn't that the couple that mm-hmm. they were friends with? Mike and Denise, Brian and Kathy, in October of 97, went to a Sister Hazel concert in Tallahassee. Brian had his arms all around Denise, and Mike was drinking alcohol, but a lot of people said that was he wasn't really a, a big drinker. That night, Brian and Denise started having phone sex, and then Ooh. things escalated to real sex, and then they were having sex up to 15 times a week, which is a lot that of sex. Is- A lot to keep up with. They were having sex at Denise's house when Mike was gone, um, in hotels and in public places, even on top of the Florida Capitol building. Oh. She was even having threesomes with Brian and Kathy when they all went to Panama City, plus other women. There was all these pictures that you could see of her, like, holding, like, this naked woman's breast. and So clearly the husband had to know, right? Mike had no clue about any of this. When he started getting a little suspicious that something was going on, it was because he found out that $3,000 was missing from his account. Turns out, Denise said that she had bought it to buy weed, which I don't know. That's a whole lot of fucking weed. For $3,000. Even I don't know that, but I was like, that seems like a lot That's like you've decided you're going to start selling weed, not you're just buying it for your own use. Oh, that's all it takes? Good to know. (laughs) I mean, it, it would be a start, right? You could ask Joffrey. Joffrey. After Mike disappeared, Brian and Kathy split up. So December 3rd, 2005, Brian and Denise get married. About five years, almost to the day that Mike vanished. It's cold-blooded. Police went to the wedding, and what I thought was really funny was that Denise shows up to the church in a, with a white horse-driven carriage. Oh, my God. Tacky, well, she got $1.7 million. She tacky. can afford it. So by 2016, evidence started coming together because Denise and Brian's marriage started having problems. So this was 11 years after they were married. On Tuesday, August 5th, 2016, Denise was leaving for work in her car. She pulled out of her driveway and starts driving down the street and someone in the backseat grabs her and says, I'm going to fucking kill you, pulled out a gun and jabbed it into her ribcage. It was her husband, Brian. (gasps) He was in the backseat of Denise's car with a sheet, some sort of tool, a gun, and a bottle of bleach, and he was trying to kidnap her. 
Oh my God. Denise convinces Brian to let her go. And when he did, she went straight to the police. And even during her interview, you could see her kind of like, oh, is this the right thing? I don't know. Is this the right thing to do? Is this the right thing to do? So then when I saw that, I'm like, bitch is totally guilty. She turned him in. Brian was trying to get her to stop the divorce. She said that he had been threatening her life because she didn't want because he didn't want the divorce. And during the interrogation, authorities don't even give a fuck about what's going on. They're like, we want information about Mike's disappearance. Right, because they know she knows something. They suggest that perhaps Brian had killed Mike and held it over Denise's head. Um, They kept saying, Brian was going to kill you, so you couldn't tell us what he had done. And she starts bawling in the interrogation room, but she's like, no, these, these two things are not related at all. Yeah, right. And all she keeps doing is trying to bring up like, okay, I understand you want Mike's inf- information about his disappearance, but what about what Brian was doing to me today? Right. So then they say, well, where do you think Mike's buried? And she says she has no idea. She believed that he had died in the lake. They kept saying, there's no way he died in that lake. Then the cop starts asking her how close she was to Brian and Kathy during the time that Mike was alive. And she's like, yeah, we were close. And then she's like, this is just totally making me uncomfortable. She kept trying to bring up again what was happening that morning. And then she said that she wanted a restraining order on Brian. What happened to Brian's ex-wife, though? She's just like out of the picture. Yeah, they had divorced, but they had split up as soon as. I was just wondering if she had anything to do with it. After Mike disappeared, Brian and Kathy split up. Okay. So I wonder if she knew or had anything to do with it. Cops ask her what will happen when Brian gets arrested and he starts talking about the past. And she's like, I have no idea, but I hope he confesses to what he did to me this morning. Later that same day, Brian was arrested on kidnapping, armed burglary, and assault with a firearm charges. And those charges could put him away for life. He did start to talk about Mike because they negotiated a deal so he didn't have to get a life sentence. He said he had known Denise his whole life since preschool. He knew Mike since high school. On October 13th, 1997, they started having an affair. Mike knew she was having an affair, but he didn't know who it was with. He had no clue it was his best friend, Brian. Denise was worried that this was all going to blow up in her face, so they started talking about Mike or Kathy's death. They thought maybe they'd all go out on a boat and push Kathy and Mike overboard, or Mike and Brian could go hunting, and then Mike just didn't make it back. Oh my gosh. The real plan was that they were going to go hunting and both wear waders. When they got to the area where the waders were actually found, Brian had told Mike to stand up, and then Brian pushed him in the water. Mike was able to get his jacket and waders off, but then he started panicking. Brian was driving the boat. He too panicked, so he got out his gun, and he shot Mike in the face. Oh my gosh. Mike went under the water. Brian got out of the boat, found him in the water, and drug him with the boat to the edge of the lake and then put his body in the back of Brian's Suburban. Brian drove to the nearest Walmart and he bought weights, a tarp, and a shovel. Which, like, if you're checking somebody out like that, wouldn't you be like, "Mm, looks a little suspicious? What are you doing with all this? Yeah. He took the body and hid it. So when he was being interrogated, the police asked where, and Brian said that Mike's body's not going to be found unless Brian himself could physically go there and point it out. So they go past the lake. They get to this dead end where there's a stop sign. It's a little bit past there. They find Carr Lake, and they were able to find the body of Mike 17 years after his disappearance. Man. They found several bullets in his skull, and the craziest thing, after 17 years, his wedding ring was still on his left finger. That's so sad. Yeah. He had died of a shotgun blast to his head. Brian stated that he did it because Denise said she wouldn't get divorced and that there was only one solution for Mike to die. Brian was sentenced to 20 years in prison for kidnapping Denise. But not the murder? Because he made a deal. 
Oh. December 20th, 2017, they held a news conference stating they found Mike's body and he was murdered. Then they obviously had to start this whole investigation into De- into Denise. But on May 8th, 2018, they arrested her. They physically escorted her out of her office at Florida State. And then December 11th, 2018, during Denise's trial, they had eight hours of deliberation with the jury and they found her guilty of first degree murder and sentenced her to life in prison. Dang. There was no real hard evidence. The only evidence they had to use was Brian's word and he just was serving the 20 years because he took a plea deal. She should have, she had the opportunity when they asked her about it mm-hmm. and she made and the because, wrong choice. Because she was like a planner and not the actual person who pulled the trigger. She probably would have been getting the 20 years and Brian would exactly. have been in. Exactly. Like she made the wrong choice when they gave her the opportunity to come clean about it. Like clearly they knew. But shit, that's karma, man. Yeah. I mean, and the fact that their relationship ended the way that it did, it's like you can't keep mixing all this other stuff into your relationship and not expect bad stuff to happen. I mean, no. you have murder, an affair, blah, blah, blah. I mean, like it's it's you're gonna start ha- there's gonna start being some problems i'm not saying it's gonna lead to murder or right. physical abuse but there's but- gonna be issues there and the poor other ex-wife like they were talking about killing her too dang she didn't do anything can you imagine if you're kathy and you hear that like later on that you were yeah. part of the plan <sighs> i'd be like glad i peaced out of there when i did for sure 100 percent. like yeah. she didn't do anything no except be married to somebody she shouldn't have been married to but she didn't even know didn't even know and all because you fell in love with someone in high school a sister hazel concert too like really mm-hmm. i never liked them either <laughs> i dislike them as much as nickelback oh no we're not getting into the nickelback story again <laughs> i love you chad i'm not gonna let it go <laughs> hold on to this one So for next week's episode, we're going to do a mixed bag of nuts. Yes, because we have more stories to share. I know I have some extra childhood stories. Me too. Childhood, I have a bunch of those. (laughs) Um, Even some would you rathers. But if there's anything that you wanted to write in about any of our previous topics, please send them in blondemomentspodcast at gmail.com or our Instagram. I mean, we try to read all the ones that we get. Yeah. So thank you. Yes. Mixed bag of nuts is always fun. It's definitely always a good laugh. We always get to talk about like anything and everything random and I love it. Which we normally do anyways. For sure. I mean, we talk about everything. Sex is always my favorite thing to talk about on this. We just get so, laugh so much about it. And we get like hot and bothered too. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll end today's episode with our blonde joke. After robbing a bank, a blonde, a brunette, and a redhead duck into an alley where they hide in potato sacks. The cops first go to the sack with the brunette in it and kick it. The brunette says, meow. They go to the sack with the redhead and kick it. She says, woof, woof. Last, they kick the sack with the blonde and she says, potato. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Terrible.